Hey folks, welcome back to the Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Ayers. And in this podcast, we want to share mentorship to learn how to hunt, fish, and gather wild food. Our goal is to reduce barriers and create an inclusive and welcoming community for all folks who want to learn how to eat wild. So join us as we share stories, ethics, adventures, and knowledge about a way of life that's rooted in eating wild. Hey folks, welcome back to the Eat Wild podcast. All right, this is it's officially the end of the hunting season for me, so I'm kind of getting caught up on a few a few projects here, and and this one I, I'm I'm excited about putting together for you. This is the elk hunting adventure from this year, and this was a fun trip. And I I, I was reflecting on this, and it probably comes up later in the podcast, but. You know, some some hunts are you know about the place, and and, and some hunts are about the species, and then and then there's some hunts that are about like the the adventure that you go on with a group of friends, and and this one really falls into that the that latter category where you're, you're on an adventure, taking people to a place or onto an adventure they've never been on before, and and really just seeing people uh, experience, you know, in this case, northern BC for the first time, and. And it also, you'll you'll meet Jason, who's uh who's kind of my my mentee, I guess you could say. As a he he'll you'll hear from him, and he he actually signed up as a eat wilder when he was 15 years old, and saved up his pocket change and his allowance to come and take one of our our courses. And and turns out he lives just down the road from me, so we've become friends. And 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 of course we're, we're all part of the same community now. When we've done a bunch of hunts together, but this is one where you know just you see someone really come you know go from a yeah 15 year old teenager in the neighborhood to a to a yeah yeah very accomplished hunter out there you know tackling a big wilderness hunt and and chasing you know elk around the hillside and just learning tons but also um having a great deal of success so it was really cool to to be part of that and, and to share this whole experience with my my good friends uh Tome and, and Tom, who you've likely met on the podcast before on previous elk hunting adventures so I'm excited to share this with you. This this hunt is like a, it's another one of my sort of concepts of trying to get, like, you know, with, with all hunts, you're just trying to find places where there's undisturbed animals, uh, relatively undisturbed animals. You're trying to get away from other hunting pressure. Uh, we've incorporated the concept of uh, pack rafts into this hunt. So we're basically hiking into the wilderness and, and using the pack rafts to help get at least the meat out from from this area we've we've hiked into and uh yeah it, it, well it's always you know these concepts seem really easy when you're not well seem possible when you're sitting here in the off season dreaming up adventure ideas and looking over you know maps and 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 aerial photography but when you get your feet on the ground with you know 80 to 100 pounds of gear on your back trying to <laughs> try to make it work it's always a different scenario so We'll get to share a little bit of that with you in this podcast. Now, th- this podcast is 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 brought to you by our, our friends at West Coast Kitchen Canada, and uh, of course, they fueled this adventure as well by setting us up with uh, a bunch of amazingly like healthy uh, freeze dried meals uh, for this adventure. If you want to take advantage of a bit of a deal, go to go to their website. Use the Eat Wild discount code for for a discount on on an order for you. Um, I should also just give a shout out to the Seek 
outside folks they they hooked us up on this trip well for this season with a couple of backpacks that i've been trying out then and the one that i was using on this trip is the um uh brooks uh, 7400 and it's kind of designed as a very simple backpack to, it's got one main con- compartment where which can you can load a whole elk quarter in or all your gear um, just stuffed in there. And, and the, the main compartment actually acts as a dry bag as well. So it's an ultra light uh, dry bag system that sort of perfect for pack crafting because uh, you can basically throw the bag in the bow of the boat and not have to worry about it getting the gear inside, getting soaked. Um, it's also got a couple of like long pockets on the outside that kind of fits the majority of your necessities like your spotting scope and 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 other uh, water water bladder other bits and pieces of your kit that you need access to so i it was a, it's it's a great pack it's super simple super light and it survived packing the biggest elk i've ever been involved with off the mountain so pretty stoked about it um, i should also uh you know basically say thanks to the uh, folks at alpaca uh, they've been on the podcast before they gave us a deal on uh on on purchasing a second raft for this adventure and uh we're using the alpaca foragers now these are does they call these a two-person raft and and i well i they're, they're awesome rafts and uh uh they're for for a trip like this you know i think that they're one person and their gear and you know, half an elk or maybe a whole elk, depending on the water conditions. You could certainly put two people in a raft like this, um, but you might be have a hard time fitting an animal in there as well. But there's more. I probably talk a lot about the rafts throughout the podcast. But yeah, that's alpaca rafts, and they do a they make a bomber raft that every time I I use it now I'm I'm like it's not the it's never the raft limiting what they can do and what water they can handle and how much weight they can handle. It's, it's largely me and my skill set is to, <laughs> limiting, limiting what these rafts can do in the, in the adventure applications that I have been taking them along. So super great product and, and they've been awesome to deal with. So um, go check them out. I'll pack a raft. All right, let's get into this podcast. <laughs> back in Chetwood. So I was just here. I was probably in the same room like a couple of weeks ago. Well, about a, I think a month ago I was in the same room getting or organizing gear and reorganizing, blowing up pack rafts, um, going on this like extended sheep hunt where like we were counting ounces and well, flying into a wilderness destination and having to be able to make sure we had everything we needed to survive for the next 10 days. And it was kind of unique because we're doing this trip with like two other people that I haven't done an adventure trip. Jenny had done a trip with, right? But these other, these other two blokes, uh, Spencer and and, uh, and Scott, while they're super competent outdoors, you guys, I didn't know. Anyways, here we are again. I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed here because we're not flying in on a sheep hunt we're going elk hunting and in elk hunting it's kind of my favorite hunt and partly because it it's not as intense in the same way it's kind of more fun it's not like you don't have to like man the effort is not it's not the same it's a lot of effort but it's not the same type of effort anyways i'm sitting in a hotel room with my good friend tome 
who's been on the podcast before, talking about elk hunting. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? Hey, hey, wonderful. Cool. Welcome back to the Well Podcast. My pleasure. Cool. And then I'm here with, to make things confusing, I'm here with Tom. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thomas Batchel, who's uh, who, you've had an appearance on the Well Podcast. Did you say a word on the previous podcast? Episode? I did not. I was merely stoking the fire. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys carried on with your podcast with a little bit of pork slocking. We're <laughs> <laughs> bringing the pork slocking back in. So if you if you listen to our episode, we, we went. So actually, last year when we we did our elk hunt, it was Tommy, Tom, and Will and I and Ben Rogers on the uh, on the zipper mouth uh, meandering river there, and uh, we ended up killing a moose. And we had a really nice night on the fire where the mm-hmm. podcast machine came out, and also some bottles of whiskey. And there was a pork schlocking incident on the podcast. Anyway, it was fun. It was a celebration. It was a celebration. And and as you should, if you kill a moose, you, you're you going to feed your family for the year. You should have a celebration. And uh, we tried our best to tell the story. So if you haven't caught that one, it's called Counting to Ten, I think, like that or something like that. A story of moose hunting. And, and it was an awesome hunt. And that was a really, that was a lot of fun. Like, it was just a really, that moose hunt and the... Yeah. The evening after was beautiful. So, and we haven't. I don't think Jay. Have you been on the podcast before? First time here. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thanks, Tom. Cool. Jay's an old well, my my neighbor. What year did you show up to the Hunter Field Skills workshop? Uh, how, how old were you? It's fifteen. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. How old are you now, dude? Twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, so it's been nice. nine years. You're fifteen when you went on the Hunter Field Skills? Yeah. Wow. Nine years ago. So how, did you did you save your like paper route money or something? It was the story like that. I saved my money up, and uh, I I mean no one hunted in my family right, so I started off bow hunting, and that was all I could do because I couldn't buy a rifle. I came hunter field skills workshop with a uh, with a recurve, and that was it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah, you and your buddy both both my yeah, what was your buddy's name again? Griffin. Griffin, yeah, good kid yeah. too. Yeah, so like two neighborhood kids. It was really cool because your um, both your moms came over to my house and we had like a bit of a sit down talking about, you know, taking the, the two teenage boys out for a hunting. That time Griffin and, and Jay broke your window with the baseball when they were 12 years old. <laughs> it kind of felt like that. It kind of felt like that. It was a sit down, neighborhood sit down. Like, it, was a really, yeah, it, was, it was cool, man. And like having these two young guys show up and, um, and it was kind of like, it's kind of the essence of what, like eat wild, is trying to be right, like it's like so that someone who doesn't come from a traditional hunting family can say, "I want to go hunting," and then like, where do you go? How do you how do you get started and and to fall into a community? And well, hit your edge playing in the community. That was cause, it, yeah. Because you're over for dinner pretty regularly, and yeah, talking hunting and one miss a dinner for the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you and so and so you got the invite here, and so did it, okay, so we do kind of have an elk hunting foursome, and you're replacing one of our you know folk one of our team members what happened to will tell me um <clears throat> say it like do i give bad. the pc story <laughs> uh, yeah um <laughs> oh well he's gonna be having a beautiful baby girl in the next three or four weeks so you know he's got to be there to take care of his lover and um i think it, it all kind of now nav- like it's all about that, being there for his partner and 
and the inevitability that the, that baby could pop at any moment and and whatnot. But I mean, still pretty lame that he's not here. Well, it's still, it's still pretty fun to bug him. I mean, I know that it's totally like it's totally offside and it's not cool. Like, and I mean, I love Ariel and I'm so excited they're having a family. But it is pretty fun to call him up and be like, like you know, and he's gonna listen to this podcast and he's gonna be like, it's gonna hurt a little bit. Yeah. And and just because I I have such an adverse like like a lot of. Adversarial relationship with Will. I love. I love bugging him so yeah. much, more than anybody, because he's the most like, like, yeah. He's very. He really. He he's. Uh, he's such a stubborn old guy that it's really great. It's really fun to bug him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, There'll be no one to appreciate me playing the flute um, on this hunt with. Yeah. You know. Sorry. Yeah. He's gonna. Did you bring a recorder? No, I brought a an Irish flute though. Yeah. Which I may or may not bust out. I don't know if I'll be inspired enough without Will. Have you figured wheel. out how to bugle with your Irish flute? Yeah, I was wondering how it would No, I just got it like a couple weeks ago. We should probably start practicing on the rest of the drive up. How it might work in sure. the tube, yeah, would it resonate? Oh my god, yeah, it would project. I do know, one of my hunting, one of my elk hunting mentors bugles with a flute and gets like a really high-pitched three-tone note hmm. that is like, and it, it bugles elk. It's like a little... And it's, it works. So, oh, speaking of Will, I mean, two two years ago he brought a he brought a vacuum tube because he couldn't find his bugle and it worked. He like <laughs> yeah. cut a, a vacuum tube up out of like one of those. He call uh, an Elkin with it? Y- yeah, like a shop vac yeah. tube. Yeah, it was significantly quieter, but I mean, it worked. It worked. I've seen a guy do it with a toilet paper roll. Yeah, lost his tube, just used the roll. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. But anyways, Jay. You're stepping in for Varda, yeah. so we're calling you Young Varda on this yes. trip. You're equal. You're not actually crusty, or opinionated, um, or stubborn. So I don't really. Yeah, but we'll call you Young Varda anyways. <laughs> young Varda, but I we'll yeah, be, I won't be filling a singing voice. That's for sure. <laughs> well, actually, I think it's a, well. This trip is a bit more of um. We're doing a bit of backpacking on this trip, and uh, with it, we're actually. Trip plan is. Uh, so where where like I mean, I think anywhere you hunt in BC right now, it feels like there's more people hunting and more people getting on the ground. And I think it could be partly COVID, it could be partly the generation hunting. Um, but I feel like this year we kind of planned a trip out that gave us a bit of space between where other hunters might be, and we're leveraging the pack rafts again to see if we can like use the pack rafts to kind of hike up river valleys away from where people would have e- easy access to and then use the raft to help us move meat back down the river. So we've, we've got a few drainages that we're looking at um, up north here where we're hoping that that can be a benefit and give us a little bit of area that we can hunt without too much pressure or disturbance. You just answered the question I was going to ask. What was the question? We're in elk country and we're leaving elk country to go hunt elk. Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's a good point i mean like there, there is elk country i mean people want I, I get this question all the time like where should i go elk hunting and i i was i was funny we were driving to that area this morning and i was like i told i i, I well so there's, a, there's an old trick i do there's, a, there's actually there's an old trick that was played on me for years so like the first thing a new hunter is going to ask anybody is like where where should i go hunting and they'll ask a knowledgeable person well what I do, what I've learned to do, and this has happened to me for many years, is that knowledgeable hunters have these areas that they, they want to do further research on. They're like, they think it might be a good area based on a few factors. So when like, like Tom says, hey Dylan, where's I go hunting? I was like, 
you know what? You should go up that zipper mouth <laughs> valley there because it. I, I heard somebody told there's some elk out there, but really what I'm trying to say is I, I think that's like. a good spot. I can report back and I want to know. <laughs> Let me know how you do. Let me know how you do, right? So, so I've kind of used that method because I mean, I get that question a lot as a neat wild mentor, right? Like, and, and, and because I was, you know, got a fairly, you know, a lot of people ask me this question and, and obviously I can't direct them to places where either they're my spots or your guys' spots or other spots that, you know, have figured these places out. So I, so I, I sort of send them to likely spots that I think might be good and hope that they report back to me in that information. So. And not sending them on a wild goose chase either. So you're still giving them some direction without sending them off on a wild goose chase. Yeah, I think it's a fairly reasonable approach. Yeah. But for years, my hunting mentors used to do that to me. They're like, oh, you should go, to go up there and have a look for a deer. But really, they're just setting me up for a scouting mission to see if it's possible to get there. You're definitely putting them in good habitat. Like when you start hunting, there's a you know, gap, you got a bridge that's you don't have a good knowledge point to start out on, right? Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I'm assuming it's good habitat based on what I can see from the road or from my limited e-scouting efforts, right? But I, I, I mean, it's still, you know. anyways, the, the question is, why are we, we're in it, we're in Chetwin, BC, where there is, you know, great elk habitat. There's, there's great elk habitat from, you know, the, the entire Peace region is, Great elk habitat, and probably one of the areas that's got the probably the healthiest population of elk currently, and a growing population of elk to the point that there's 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 a cow season here in the winter months to try and reduce the overall herd. Uh, there's yeah, just a lot of a lot of farmland here that elk do very well on, um, and there's lots of there's lots of bush and scrub brush and a lot of areas that like. It's actually pretty hard to hunt elk in a lot of the places around the Peace River region because it's so thick. So the elk population does well no matter how much pressure is here. But having said that, if you can learn how to hunt it, it's actually a good area to go. If you can find access to farmland or if you can figure out the edge habitat that where there's you know elk are coming and going from that from that farm habitat, yeah, there's some good spots here, right? And then that's your question: like, why are we driving through? You know, hours of amazing habitat to go see somewhere else and um, I I mean for me it's about I just like the wilderness experience and and I really want you and I know you guys have had the Peace River elk experience for a number of years and I have been on a couple of adventures with you guys doing that and I, and I, I, I just get such a kick out of these fly-in trips or these boat-in trips where we get a little bit of little access to wilderness where other people aren't necessarily and um, that's what I'm hoping we can facilitate on this adventure yeah yeah so what are you excited about Tom oh that's a that's a big question simple question but a big question um, I get so few trips a year like one hunting trip a year and uh, and so just getting out and exploring new new territory is probably what I get most excited about. And I love the idea of as self-propelled as possible. So as little vehicle support or you know river trips where you're floating down, you're right next to the road the whole time. Roads are really or cars are always helping you, but being able to put everything on your back and uh, and and find a mountain range that people haven't been up to as often or getting away from crowds where there's 
less pressure into into ter ter into terrain I've never been to before. That's probably where uh, you know what I get most excited about. And uh, I've never been this far north, so uh, any opportunity to get out into parts of BC I've never been to, it's uh, uh, you know sign me up. That's what I'm, that's what I want to go for. You're looking for that contrast. You live in a big city. You got a big family. Yeah. You're looking for that silence and that serenity. Yeah, that solitude. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this last year when we were on our river trip, trying to do something a little bit more wildernessy. And uh, yeah, let's make it happen. Looking forward to it. Jay, how about you? What are you excited about? I think Tom said it. I mean, there's only so many days you can get off each year, right? Well, you work all year and you might get two, three weeks and this is two weeks of it. So, you know, I've been waiting probably since I started hunting. This is a trip we've, you know, I've been thinking about for years. And from school to work to this point, I think it's been six years now that I've been thinking about it. And <clears throat> yeah, I'm kind of lucky enough to join with people who've done it before. It's a intimidating trip. You know, it's packing up a river, 10 Ks and I mean, I'm excited. I, I mean, I could honestly leave my rifle at the trailhead and still be happy. Yeah. So we should seriously think about that because that would be 10 pounds less. Yeah. <laughs> we actually don't need four <laughs> rifles when we're doing it. It's yeah. legitimately something yeah. we could I thought think about, about that too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you could dump two rifles. I mean, how many, yeah, we're going to try and kill one or two elk. We don't need four rifles, but no. um, anyway, those are all, yeah. But anyways, Jay, I'm glad you're here. And I, I like the story that you've been, you know, part of, well, you, 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 you've gone out and been a successful hunter. You found your way here, and uh, we built a friendship along the way, and uh, and now we're hunting together, and this is this is lots of fun. Mm -hmm. um, how about you, Tommy? What are you looking forward to? Um, just on Jay, though, before I get into why I'm excited, uh, remember, like we were having a din we were at a dinner at your place, Dylan, and um, it might have been like four years ago where we, when we got our few elk up here on the piece and <clears throat> I remember telling Jason and I could see the look in his eyes just like so excited you got a spot so excited <laughs> and I knew that we were going to hunt together in the future at some point I didn't know when but I knew that something was going to happen and it's interesting that it's happening right now I mean it was inevitable um, but yeah it was really cool to see that like that energy and, and interest and the inevitability of it. It was like the writing was on the wall at that point in time. So that, that's really cool that it's, it's actually come to fruition. Um, but what gets me excited is, is, of course, similar to the three of you, I think, and, and what Jason and, and Tom have described. But, you know, in this moment right now, it's, it's a lot of like... There's a lot of tension in me right now from, from my everyday life with, with work and, and, and the rigmarole of like survival and the bullshit that is this, this like socio-political situation with COVID and everything and like surviving, just surviving, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I'm really thirsty for silence and observing and slowing everything the fuck Sorry, pardon my French, but slowing everything down mm -hmm. and getting some bearing and grounding with myself first and foremost and letting the world kind of, I hope, take over kind of and just like guide me through this paradise um, 
this this really unforgiving paradise that we're going to find ourselves within. Mm-hmm. And then all the other just like just like smelling the flowers, hearing the sounds, being present, but also like letting go of all that other stuff. And I'm really excited about that. And it's really hard to rationalize that and deconstruct it. Um, but that's number one. And then number two is communicating with animals and seeing animals. And everything else after that is just, it's great. Now with the community aspect and getting to, to just be with friends after a long time of not being with friends. And mm-hmm. um, just like those things. Yeah, really, really looking wow. forward to that. That part about just like disconnecting or just like recovering from what has been the, this past time of COVID and whether it's done or not, I mean like the amount of stress that's built up in my body from dealing with everything in my in my professional work and my business and my family life and everything that just it's and the loss of friends. It's just intense. And that sheep trip, like it was such a tough freaking trip where like physically but then but then calm and then but then like in the context of like being in wilderness and there's peace and there's quiet and you're disconnected and then there's just like you just surrounded by all this freaking beauty right and then you have this amazing experience of a successful sheep hunt. like all of it all of this it was it, like it was the first time i f- felt grounded in a year and a half like i felt there i am i felt present and i felt like human again and i could just feel those layers of stress and shit just like falling off my body over the course of that week and um I really want more of that. I, did, I there's still so much work to do mm-hmm. to get back to that like grounding and being, you know, it's, it's for this is a quick turnaround. I was like sheep hunting 3 weeks later. Here we are same hotel room <laughs> and we're going elk hunting and we're going back doing another like could be a really shitty challenging trip with the work that we have kind of ahead of us. And uh but my body needs it, my mind needs it. Like I'm, I, I think I think we need it as community to like, yeah, to find to get grounded again and just let those that those layers of COVID just fall away, man, and get grounded again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked, though, guys. Well, I'm excited to talk about. I mean, I think what we'll end up talking about here is like, hopefully, having some eventful days. I think we'll bring the podcast um, junior machine in with us, and we'll capture a few days or evenings of hopefully exciting moments of our adventure and share them with the podcast community and yeah, have some fun. Shed some layers. Yeah. Well said. Right on guys. I'm so, I'm happy to be here with y'all. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. So. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Okay. I think we're back on. All right. Welcome back to the well podcast. Tell me what day are we on? We're all cutting. Oh, I think we left on August 28th. We checked in on the 29th, and today is September 1st. First. I believe. So day, I don't know, two or three hunting. Three, I think. Yeah. So our hunt our hunt plan was um, to continue to leverage these pack rafts, and I, I kind of hooked on the pack raft adventure concept. So we thought we could, you know, use these rafts to sort of pack in up a river and then 
and then drift out of the river with, you know, hopefully with, with elk. And so, Jay, do you want to tell us about the first day of packing rafts to this, <laughs> at this like long lost burn that I was looking for up the, yeah. up the mysterious valley? I think I was doing the math too much at how much lighter we'd be without rafts, but um, I think we hiked, what, 12K in? Uh, oh. Trying to figure out how we'd fit a raft on our pack, too. How heavy was your pack? I think I clocked in at 74. And how, and how much do you weigh? 170. <laughs> on a, if you're wet, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so I think Tom was the heaviest at 77. What were you, Tomei? 68. Yeah, I was 41 pounds, I think, total. <laughs> no, but it was, it was, yeah, it was the God average, yeah, over, yeah, 70 pound, 70 pound packs going in. It, I mean, we had a horse trail and it was relatively, you know, relatively easy going, but it's just a long haul in. And then... Um, How long did it take us in total? It was like seven hours of walking. I mean, I think we could have done a little quicker if we... Mm-hmm. could find the trail or knew what the trail was and stuff but mm-hmm. a couple of crossings so this is a spot i've been before and but i've been in there on horses before and 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 10 years ago when i was last in there it was a a kind of a beautiful burn and um we got back in there and uh it was the i had heard that it had reburned in the past few years so i thought it might be a a good spot to check out but boy, it's a long way to go to just check out a spot, eh? Mm-hmm. So, Tony, what, what, what was your take on the spot? Um, huh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's ap- epic vistas. Like, if there were animals, you would see them from 5, 10K away. Like, potentially. I mean, they look like about chest-high shrubbery. All kinds of berry bushes and, and some aspens, but um, but you'd see some heads bobbing around if the animals were there. Yeah. We, we only saw some of the biggest black bears we've ever seen up on some of those hills. That's it. And you guys sort of with, with confidence, oh, it's a black bear, but I like that's the biggest black bear I've ever seen. And I was like, I didn't really want to like be like, well, I've seen lots of black grizzly bears, <laughs> especially in this valley. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, didn't, oh, yeah. I don't want to put that in everybody's head. <laughs> All right, so we got up there, and uh, we spent a day out there. I, actually, the, the main conundrum was that, like, our plan was to be able to flow animals out, and this ongoing, unique, you know, dry year is just, I think any of the glaciers that were up there or any of the snowpack that was up there just is long gone. So the, the river is quite low and much lower than the other times I've been on this river. So that's just not no go. Like it's not happening. So we're we're going. So we kind of assessed it and realized that we couldn't really float an animal out from there. So we had to either, well, then there's just no way. Jay, were you up for packing an, an elk out from 12k back? No, and I haven't. Uh, yeah, and I want an elk down real bad, but I knew we were far back. So if uh, yeah, if you were worried about using the pack rafts, then. Hiking out wasn't an option. We can barely do our own pack weight sometimes. Yeah, there's just no way. I mean, you'd, you'd have to do that trip three times, and it just would be impossible. So, so scratch that. So, 
we made a tough decision to pull out of what was, I mean, this is a magnificent valley. I mean, it's gorgeous back there. Mm-hmm. And had we sort of worked, you know, looked a little harder, I'm sure we would have found some more sign of elk and figured out where they're hanging out. But then you just have this conundrum of trying to get an elk out of there and that's just not on, so. Mm-hmm. So what happened tonight? Or on our way back in, Jay? Or what do we do next? Well, yeah, so we left our, uh, left the burn this morning. So we made a group call to hike back from where we were last night. So it back, beats back towards the highway. Yeah, back towards the highway. And we didn't see the elk sign we saw, so we took a separate trail back to where we are now and uh, chucked our packs down. Oh, and upon fine. kind of uh, coming back to our, you know, looking for a camp spot to spike the teepee we uh we heard a bugle well bef- before that things got much more interesting we were well we saw, we heard a bugle first did we hear that bugle yeah, first we heard a bugle first and then we we sat and oh. then you we got very thirsty and made you go get water oh so tom and i oh shit so tom and i of course go down we're about a kilometer off the river from where this trail is so we're just going to run down to the creek well, partly we're going to do so just to see if there's any kind of type of sign between the trail and the, mm. and the, uh, I'm sure we didn't, we sure, no, we didn't hear the bugle till after. I'm, I think, well, I'm sure of it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. cause I had no like inclination that we were anywhere near elk country when, mm. when we left their packs with the water bottles, we had our bear spray and our water balls and we were, and we were running down to the creek with the intention of maybe looking for a place to like camp and and uh, and also to get some water and also do one, just run a transect to, you know, to see if there's any sign of, there's that fire front going out there now. Mm. We're just laying in the tent here and uh, um, we're on a river, river bed and uh, we're in the seek outside eight man, deep tent and the wood stove's just starting to cook now. Tom's already rolled up in bed. Anyways, Tom and I go rush, just just yeah. carrying on down. We're just carrying on down to the river and climbing down there. And uh, Tom's just a little bit ahead of me. And he, I just he goes, just turns around. And he's like four point. And I'm like what? And uh, so we just bumped the bull elk on the way down. And and the elk is just you know twenty yards out from front of us and bobbing his head around trying to figure out where we are and. Yeah. Of course, we only had a can of bear spray in it, so. <laughs> yeah, so. From, from our point of view, I mean, when, this is supposed to be a 15-minute walk, right? And me and Tom, we walk around, you know, 20, 30 minutes, thought we pushed it. We get back, and we see your bags are dumped, rifles are gone, and we're trying to do the math. So what did you think when you, when you so, so we ran back up, we saw the elk, and we're like, oh, okay, let's get out of here. Yeah. So we ran back up to the trail. Uh, where we left our bags, we dumped all of our camp gear out, grabbed our guns and our empty bags with our necessaries in there and went back down to try and figure out how we were going to get this elk. So when you guys rolled up to where there's just a pile of shit in the middle of the trail, what do you think? Yeah, it was like, did someone just like steal their bags but leave all the other stuff? Like, no, that wouldn't make sense. Because horses had passed through like that day or something, you know, maybe, maybe, but 
And then we thought maybe they got spooked by a bear. Yeah. So they ran back for their packs and their guns. Which wouldn't yeah. make sense too, because then they wouldn't go back to go frig around with a bear. No. Um, yeah, but we realized quickly that the guns were gone and the packs were gone. And we had, uh, Jason and I had just done a little jaunt in the bush and came across a ton of beds and scrapes and things like that. So we knew that you were hunting, but we didn't know maybe you saw moose. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been logical. Yeah, more logical than because I, I felt at the time we hadn't bumped any kind of elk sign of any density. So mm-hmm. it was that perked straight up and kind of rejuvenated. Because to be honest, like I was feeling a bit in the dumps because you know I kind of sold you guys on this adventure concept of let's let's take seventy five pound packs twelve miles well twelve kilometers back into into wilderness and and then like get back there and, and I kind of looked around and went this is not going to work like on a couple of fronts we're not gonna be able to get meat out it's gonna be difficult to hunt there's not really like it's a spec like the mountains beyond us are spectacular but where we are is a bit challenging rain rain pretty much the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a tough it was a little tough and then to make the call to kind of drag you like basically we went all the way out there to have walk up the trail have a nice nap and then turn around <laughs> and bike back out and find more out yeah, yeah, we walked by, but we, so by now we've probably got like three, we figure we sort of bumped or heard three different bulls, and, and that all kind of happened this afternoon, and... Midday, too, nonetheless. Yeah, it was weird, there was quite a bit of bugling going on right at like four o'clock, mm-hmm. and don't usually hear that, but anyways, so tomorrow, what are you going to do tomorrow, Tommy? I'm gonna go whistle in some elk. All right, you got a plan? Yep. All right, how about you, Jay? I want to hike to the top of that ridge. So I'm really <laughs> working on Jay to like, I try to like, one of the things about elk hunting, or at least particularly when you're in a small area like this and you're on foot, you don't, you can't really like, you can't blitz an area too hard because there's nowhere else to go hunt after that. So you kind of got to hunt it slowly, like hunt, yeah. hunt from the edge in and not just run all the way to the top of the ridge where you think the elk is. So so it's a matter of taking it slow. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. Anyways, hopefully uh, things are looking up for our elk hunt. Woohoo. All right, let's get some bed. All right, we're back. I think we're day four of our elk hunt, sitting in the seat outside tent, and it's raining by the river, so the audio might be a little bit crackly for you folks, but we'll do our best to... Whatever, no excuses. We're here. So, Jay, can you? Yesterday we had an eventful day for a period. Of, well, it was eventful for a period of time. Yeah. Can you bring us back to yesterday? What what happened? That was fun. Yeah, well, I think we planned our morning hunt based off the night prior. Uh, you know, we had heard that bugle. And so oh we, yeah, we, so we did find some elk, yes. which is probably something that. I think our last update, we were we were really sure if we had found. Oh, well, I think we heard a couple of bugles, and we were feeling confident that we'd moved to a good spot. And so we set out in the morning to go set up on at least one of the areas that we heard a bugle. Yeah, yeah to chase out. So um, out of the tent quite early, uh, made our way to the to the trail there, and made a call. And did, uh, you know, the standard listen and wait, maybe make a mew or two. Um, 
And then we, you know, worked along the trail there. And uh, this new method that you had going, which was quite nice, is where you've got one guy leading and one guy trailing, you know, 10, 20 feet between us so you can hear everything that's going on, which is quite nice. Yeah, because the alternative is that if you're walking in tandem with someone right behind you, all you hear is that person walking behind you. Mm -hmm. And it drives me crazy Mm -hmm. because I want to hear, especially when you're elking, like your big part of it is like hearing bugles off in the distance. And if you hear something like a little high-pitched noise, you want to stop and listen for the rest of it. And if someone's behind you, they're not necessarily tuned in and they're trudging along. Anyway, so I had it. I said, hey, Jay, just hang back like 20 feet. And then I can, we can both hear a bit better if we're listening. Anyways. Yeah. So anyhow, we, uh, you know, we're making our way along this trail. And I guess it should be noted, this is the same trail we walked in on. So we had been here before. Um, but I'm taking a peek down this trail. Dylan's 20 feet ahead of me. And you just see a willow creeping in. And uh, kind of a flash of fur. There's something moving behind that willow. Um, and it's not, I remember busting through this willow, it was kind of head height, smacking you in the face, and this fur is well above. And, uh, you know, first instinct, stop, move to the side of the trail. Um, so up till now, start taking a look. all we've really seen is like a lot of bear sign here. And a lot of big grizzly bear prints, a lot of mm-hmm. big bear poops. And would you guys say you've seen more bear sign than elk or other sign? Yeah, this is the most berry place I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. much grizzly sign. We're, uh, our tent's situated about 30 feet from grizz tracks on the riverbank. And there's a big pile of bear grizzly poo just, just beside our tent. <laughs> just, yeah, just little. <laughs> yeah. And the berries are like, just so like delicious. popping everywhere. And it's just like, so delicious and such a variety of berries. I'm just hoping yeah. there's enough berries out there that they're like, oh, wherever they are, they're just like, like you know, hanging out. <laughs> Don't have to move 10 feet in any direction because there's so many berries. But so yeah, the first instinct is. Yeah, I mean, first instinct is, you know, take a sit, make sure you get some cover. And we're, we're looking at whatever it is hiding behind this willow. And it just pops out and there's just this huge moose uh so you're trying to at this point well i mean there's many questions going through dylan said i'm a little ambitious i'm thinking okay is this thing legal let's you know let's figure this out quick um but uh yeah full velvet uh too many points to count really monster what were you thinking well i was thinking thank thank god it's not a bear because we're, we're 100 feet from it. It's, it's coming towards us on this very straight trail, which is great that we can have good, get a good view corridor. And I'm very pleased at this moment after I've sort of seen some flashes of dark brown that it's not a grizzly bear. So that's so now it's like either elk or moose, and I see paddles come out, and I'm like, wow, beautiful moose. And it's a beautiful moose. And the moose up here are extra large moose. And this guy's got, I don't know, 60-inch paddle he's just a monster mm. and and a couple podcasts oh, last year we shot a moose and it was a 10 point on our elk trip last year yeah mm-hmm. and it was a 10 point bull but it wasn't anywhere near like the, the, this is like the half like last year's bull was a half size but this was a true mature bull mm. 
with all the features that would make it mature. But the, and so instantly I saw one side of them had two giant brow tines and they have to have three tines to be legal on at least one of their two brow palms or they have a total of 10 points. And on the one side that I could see clearly he had two very long distinct tines and no third. So I was like, okay, he's not legal by that, what I can see from here. And he stopped and he's looking at us. He's made out that there's a couple of things sitting down on the trail looking at him, but he's not sure. So he's given us a good look over. And in that time I can start counting and I can start looking and I start to see, and I look over at his other brow palm and there is, I can see one, two, and a third point sticking up off the brow palm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's, he's likely, he's likely legal. And I still want to see, there's like a, there has to be a vortex, like a, it has to be a narrow point between the brow palm and the main palm for it to be a brow, a brow palm or brow tines. And from, he was looking right at us, so I couldn't see that narrowing. So I, I just needed to tilt his head to just confirm that he had a, a back paddle and a front paddle or a front palm with, with these three points. And so I'm at about like 98% certain that he's legal at this point. I'm like, okay, it's looking really good here. But then these other things started coming into my head, especially as he turned broadside. And when he goes broadside, now I can see he's got lots of point on his right side, on his, sorry, his left side, which may only have two, two brow, point, brow points. But if I start counting, I'm going to count to 10 pretty quick because he's got lots of points. Still can't see if that other one is, if, there, if there's that vortex, which is what I was kind of keying in on just to see that. I wasn't actually counting points because I was still kind of keyed in on that. But, but with that 2% of doubt and the time to think, and then as you turn broadside, you just see how massive these animals are. And they are just like, in my mind, I thought that is 16 pack loads of moose to move it. Like just a freaking tank and just so beautiful. Yeah. And so, yeah. Would I you mean, have shot it, Jay? I mean, I was comfortable in the spot I was in because, you know, I wasn't wasn't shaken because I had no opportunity to shoot. This was in your hands. <laughs> which is kind of yeah, nice. I was a little further ahead of the trail. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I'm great. like, whatever Dylan wants to decide here, I'm going to be happy with. But I was happy just watching. Yeah. Well, I think, Tom, would you have shot it? Yeah, I probably would have. Um, and then maybe regretted it because of the, the effort that's involved. Okay, but without getting into today, knowing what you know now. Yeah, you- in hindsight, absolutely not. No, the, 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 the scope of some animal that large to, to, to shoot them where we, where we are that far away from our vehicle, a fridge, you know, that's, that was, that would be a, a a insurmountable amount of work. Quite possibly just, it would have been, it would have been a sentence. Like it would have been a, a a, a crushing <laughs> sentence. A crushing sentence. How about you, Tommy? If you if you saw that bull stand on the riverbed, hundred percent um, legal. Hundred percent legal. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd shoot that thing. <laughs> okay. Now, knowing what you know now, <laughs> yeah, would you would you still shoot it? One hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it would have been a sentence, and it would have been the greatest of grinds. 
oh. a human could feel. Oh. <laughs> so much good moose meat. Oh, God, it was gorgeous. But if, you know, you got to see it, you got to watch it move, oh. and I would have really been happy with that, too. I don't know how you I hope I get to see something like that. I don't know how you'd pack a quarter. You couldn't pack a quarter. You have to cut it up into small pieces. Or, like, you have to split the quarter, hind quarter in two, and you'd have mm -hmm. to, like, cut the... I think it's the sirloin, or the, no, it's really not the front. I mean, you find, you cut down the main bone, and you kind of peel off a big chunk, and then left with probably another big chunk, and then you've got a couple of backloads. Like I said, I think it's 16 backloads to do that animal, and uh, and of course we're we're still, you know, we're we're I don't know, we're a ways up the river still, and, we, and we're counting on our pack rafts to get us out, and we're not quite sure if there's enough water in the river to get down with an animal and particularly the moose size animal um you know spike bull maybe um but definitely not like 60 inch or you know canadian moose or whatever yukon size moose but beautiful anyways fortunately i got to 98 percent, 100 percent, 98 percent certain wasn't pulling trigger till i was 100 percent certain and fortunately he walked into the woods and probably saved us the yeah pile of work yeah <laughs> I don't think our kill kit would have been ready for it, too. So, <laughs> no, that's no. right. Yeah. yeah, not enough bags and yeah. Cool. Anyways, Jay, how was your day today? Today was a great day. Um, Hold on, before we get there, yeah, we had hunt plans today. So we all. So what was your, what was your hunt plan, Tommy? Solo hunt on the river. Yeah. And mm. and and Tom. Uh, so Dylan and I, we were going to go back to where we'd heard of a bull up in the woods and uh, we were going to go and, and go find him again and see if we can call him out and, and get a good look at him and, and uh, uh, head up that way. Which was sort of funny because Tommy, you've been hunting that bull and you ha I, I was kind of surprised. You're like, oh, I'm not going to do that today. And both Tom and I kind of were like, oh, he's not going to go hunt that bull. We know there's a bull there. Yeah. So we, we both like, well, I mean, I'll, <laughs> we were, oh, I'll just go after that bull. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday morning, Tom and I had an encounter with him. Really close, probably within 50 yards. Yeah. But it was just a brief encounter. One chuckle back at us, and that was it. And then we... Yeah, very unresponsive. Wasn't, uh, yeah. yesterday wasn't uh, keen on talking back. And then Jay and I had another experience with him later that day mm. on a different hunt. And... Um, and so I didn't want to go back. I just thought he was uh, he was being coy, and the coy ones are really hard to hunt. Yeah. And I didn't want to blow out the area. No, and so we happily blew it out for you today. So we went back in there, and we'll, we'll, I think it's probably a great way to set things up. Cause, so we go back in there with a bit of a plan, where we know where the sign is, and, uh, and where, where the kind of quarry area where he's been running around and, and, and doing, laying some rubs and scrapes. So our plan is basically just get as close to that as we can, and then cow call a little while and nothing happens. So we, we move a bit kind of closer to his territory and we figure, okay, we'll let out like a really like high pitched bull screech and see if it kind of fires him up that maybe some little bulls in his area. And we let out that, that, that little bugle and it was instant. He was, he was like, yeah, he was, he was uh, uh, close a couple hundred yards probably. It sure seemed like it. I, I yeah. think the first bugle was a ways off, but. Well, you had a better hurt. He, like you had a, you were pretty. Yeah, it was I close. mean, I've, he was because he wasn't calling loudly. You know, he wasn't really aggressively announcing this is his house. So it seemed like he was fairly close to us. If we could hear it, he would be pretty close. Yeah, you can hear that deep chuckle at the end, and and 
so we knew where he was and we had, we had a, a good plan on him and we, we, we worked him for a while had a conversation with him he used uh, yeah it was it was it was fun and then all of a sudden he just stopped calling well like, we actually <laughs> it wasn't quite like that so, so so we 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 had him going pretty good and we thought he was coming right to us and then he kind of and then we thought he was coming in so we were set up and i was like expecting to see him and it was getting louder and louder and louder and then all of a sudden he got quieter and was kind of going away from us that's right that's and going right. down towards the river away from us and then we're like hmm, that's weird so then we kind of hightail it down to try and drop below him thinking he's trying to wind us and just as we do that we set up at another spot which we think it might be far enough down that he might we might kind of pull him in and we hear kaboom and it feels like like it's 200 yards away yeah and i was like and so so, so you know, I don't, I, 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 so that, that's a good sign because, I mean, there's likely nobody else out here. So we're thinking, okay, that's a good sign. There's only, the chances of that being anybody than us is, is low. So that's that's exciting. And then about a minute later, you hear kaboom. And it's just like, like it's a, it's a definitely a kill shot. You can, it's a good, like, it's, there's, um, sounds like a good, good hit. So I'm like, okay, I think that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, we're thinking, well, that's got to be Tommy. He must have just like heard this bull coming down and got ex- what came off the river and somehow intercepted it. And fantastic. <laughs> and the part of me is also like, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So of course we turn on the. We <laughs> that turn, was our bull. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it's, it was so. So I so I pull up the the inreach and turn it on, and sure enough, a message pops up. It says, "Hey, are you guys hearing that bull is turned on? If not, I'm going to go after it." And that, that was the message that came in. I was like, of course it was Tommy. Well, that fucking guy. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, well, I got, At least one of us got it. Yeah, at least one of us got it. But I mean, what a classic move. Just in, like, coming and gets Tom's <laughs> bull. Like, like, yeah, like, like, it was a perfect setup. And it was coming in. Like, I thought Tom was going to... I was just... Oh, yeah. I was just swinging down below Tom, right into the shooting gallery. Kaboom. Okay. Well, I guess it's good. Anyway. <laughs> so, and then confirmed by your message. So we're sitting there for a little longer going, okay, this is great. Like, and we're like, come on, Tommy, like, text us back, tell us you got this thing. And then, like, half an hour later, we get a text back from you saying, you're back at the river, anybody need help? <laughs> and I'm like, he's, what the fuck, he's fucking with us. Like, how could he, 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 he clearly was coming up to kill this bull. Now this bull is, he, he didn't get it, so that means, is there somebody else hunting here? Meanwhile, Jay's supposed to be kind of walking down the, the other end of the valley. Yeah, we weren't really sure where Jay was going. And, and we were just coming around to, like, the... Like, like it took us a while to puzzle it out. We're like, is it possible that Jay could have somehow like <laughs> come, like got on a bull and then worked his way all the way back to us? No, that's impossible. And then bleep bleep. Yeah. <laughs> bull down. Yeah, bull down anyways. Yeah. And I guess that leads into me. So I guess my hunt started out by, uh, I mean, we all had our hunt plans. I was, uh, I was planning to go solo and I was a little intimidated because we've seen a lot of bear sign. Um, but lucky, luckily, and Tom lending me his in reach, so I was pretty comfortable heading out there. So I bust through the bush and kind of make it to the trail. And my plan was to kind of work that trail to the end of the valley. Um, and kind of call as I go, see if I can locate. So I take a seat. This is around where we saw the bull moose that day prior. And, uh, kind of rip a bugle. And I get a response probably within five, 10 minutes. And this is probably 5.30 in the morning. 
I'd say. So I bugle, I get a response, and I'm kind of, I'm feeling pretty tired. I'm not quite ready to hike up the ridge all the way, but something about here in a bugle, you get a lot of energy. <laughs> so um, make my way up the mountain. And I kind of plan to hunt these, like it's kind of a scatter of timber and poplar. And when you get up there, it gets real steep and the poplar isn't open how you'd think it'd be. It's quite thick and there's uh probably 20 30 yard shooting lanes but i make my way up i make another bugle when i get to the ridge and nothing make another bugle 30 minutes later nothing so he's gone silent on me it's just like the bull you guys were hunting which made it a little tough but anyhow i'm sitting there and i guess this can preface back to the start of the hunt where dylan and tommy got me hooked on wild cranberries so I'm sitting there and, you know, usually I'm looking down for sheds, but right now I'm looking down for wild cranberries. And I pick a bag, I rip a bugle, picking cranberries, and I fill a whole bag up. By the time I fill it up, I get a bugle. So he's bugled back at me, and he's probably 200 yards up the mountain. And so I'm like, all right. I guess I pack my gear up, kind of side hill to another zone. And this is around 8 a.m. So I move across. Again, this is some open timber, but it's it's weird where we're hunting because whitetail, how I'd usually hunt, is you're, you know when you're in a good spot because you typically get some good trails and some sign, which we're not really working with here. I find when I'm walking around here, um, there's no trails you're really working with, though, you know, no sign. I mean, we do have the odd, you know, rub scrape where you guys were hunting, which is real good. But I'm sitting there and I make a cow call or two and he's bugling back. So I get another bugle. And then I set up and I'm kind of, kind of playing him. He's bugling every five minutes now. Hmm. So I probably had four or five bugles. And I can hear at the end of his bugle, he gives really guttural, raspy kind of, you know, drop sound. Just like, Ruff. I'm like, okay. So he sounds like he's a pretty good one. Um, but I'm in a thick spot. It's not really conducive for shooting. So I, you know, I can hear him probably a hundred yards off by now. So I ditch the pack, go off with my uh, tracking pull, and I set up and I let out a couple of mews. He bugles. And then I can see him coming in, and all I see is his tops. And I remember Dylan. Tom, Tommy, you guys all tell me just, you see a fork at the top, you're good. And I'm like, all right, well, I see a fork at the top. <laughs> I see a couple forks at the top. So, uh, so he's coming in, you know, he's bugling at 40 yards. He's still behind trees. Um, and then he hits 30 and he's kind of poking his head around. And he's trying to look around the trees and look for the cows that are mewing at him. He's not seeing anything. So, you know, I, I'm waiting there, and I've got my crosshairs on him now uh, between two trees, so I've got a pretty tight shot. And right now, it's it's too far forward on him. I need something a little bit more back. But he bugles, and he takes a step forward as he does, and then I take him right there, and he drops. Just like that. He just fell down. He just fell right there. Yeah. We did the... the, the uh... yeah. 
the what do you call it? The nocracy? No. After after you when you open up the annual animal after it's dead, I think it's yeah. called the nocracy. Oh God, I'm, I'm losing the word. Somebody help me out. Ne- necropsy? Necropsy? Ne- yeah. Anyways, when you were, when we were investigating the cause of death, yeah. <laughs> you ended up you had, you'd hit a bit of spine and and, and a little bit of his neck and then through mm-hmm. the sh- shoulder there. So it was massive trauma enough to put him thrown down, yeah. down. Yeah. It was kind of a quartering two between two trees. Necropsy. Sorry. Necropsy. That's <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, I had one and he went down. So after that first, I mean. I had never seen an elk this size at that distance. So it was, you know, I saw him go down, but I wasn't comfortable with leaving him because he, he was going to expire, but I didn't want a chance at him going. So I, I did move up there and I took, took that second shot. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's pretty much where I was just in awe. He's a big animal. Spectacular animal. Yeah. So you just cow called. I, uh, after that, in. after that last bugle, probably forty-five minutes prior to me taking him, I had only cow called. Yeah, I wasn't comfortable with bugling that close, and he was—he had moved down the mountain, probably two hundred yards, I would say. Awesome. As he was bugling, yeah, he would bugle, and then he'd get closer and closer, and he'd do a couple chuckles at the first ones, and then he'd. He'd give me the straight bugles, yeah. But I, I wasn't comfortable with bugling because I felt like if there was any air in my bugling, which there is, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I didn't want to lose him. So, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but it all worked out. Um, so, what do he look like? He, he was a big one. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of elk, but I'd say he's a good one. I'm happy with him. He's definitely, he's definitely a legal yeah. bull. <laughs> yeah. Spectacular. No, nice yeah. bull. He's yeah. uh, he's a full he's a mature bull and I, I would say for like you know in hunting the northern Rockies like the the elk don't get all that big here I think they have tough winters and they die around like five or something like that or even maybe earlier from tough winters and this one is definitely in the in the probably one of the bigger ones that we've seen come out of out of here in the last like fifteen years so it's a spectacular bull it's a nice it's, it's a nice six point with a couple of little extra stickers out there to make it interesting and mm-hmm. beautiful bull yeah. Yeah, I wish he didn't die with his legs under him. Made it a little tough until you guys showed up. Yeah. John, what did you think when you when you rolled up on this thing? I was so happy, it was so exciting to see. Well, well, Jay is our, is, uh, is this is his first elk hunt, and it was it was. I was telling Dylan the. Uh, um, I was so happy for for, for Jay because it was, it was his first time. We're like. You know what? It's fun to go out solo hunting elk, and you can get to come up with your own theories. And you know, you should really do it. It's, don't worry about the grizzly bears, and <laughs> yeah. and go off on your own and make a plan. And he goes off on his own, makes a plan, and drops this big elk. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was uh, the perfect way to end this part of the trip. Uh, to have Jay get that elk, and and uh, and and. Um, I mean, you could have shot it a little closer to the river. It yeah. wasn't so far of a walk, but <laughs> it wasn't too bad getting him down here. And, and now he's uh, he's cooling off, and, and we get to relax and, and reflect on that experience. Yeah, yeah. Many many hands make light work. So it's having four of us was. I mean, until I 
when I was sitting there solo, it's intimidating. But as soon as I saw you guys show up, it was, it was confident. We'd mm-hmm. be okay. I was pretty impressed with your progress, to be honest. From when we when you, we got your message to when we got there, you you had it gutted, you had a quarter off, and you were halfway done the, the that one side. So and you're ready to run that one quarter down. So mm. pretty impressed at your progress. So yeah, that was exciting, man. That like I, I was so pleased. Like, and just as Tom was saying, like it's cool that I was just reflecting on like my first elk hunt experience, and and it was a solo one after having lots of mentorship and support. Um, but just being on my own and making my own decisions, and um, I was so glad that you were able to have that on your own, mm-hmm. and you know, cherish those that hunt story and that memory for. Long time, you'll have a nice set of horns on the wall to look at or wherever you do with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Are you keeping the horns? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I could leave them here. They're heavy. <laughs> I think you might be, yeah. You gotta yeah. pack those out. We're not taking yeah. them out in the boat. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bit... I mean, like we were talking about at the start of the podcast, it's a bit mind-blowing. Like, 10 years ago, I was taking, you know, 100 Field Skills Workshop when I was 15. And here I am 10 years later, and it all worked out. So. Yeah, well, we were... Who, was that Tommy? You and I were saying we got to... We gotta keep on, you know, hunting with guys like Jay, because yeah, <laughs> take the weight, <laughs> carry heavy things. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's also it's also inspiring. I can imagine being being older and and, uh, and just inviting that that youthful energy into situations like this. To I don't know just relive those moments i guess i mean i don't know i'm thinking into the future we were both thinking into the future but it's it's exciting it's exciting you're also tough too which is good yeah that like you go up you go up and get that second pack load i'll just you know work on the meat down here at the river yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you jumped all over that op- uh, option didn't you <laughs> oh for sure i don't question about that yeah, yeah. here um, pack up the pack so like, nice dragon pole thanks yeah. <laughs> so, you know i got none yeah. huge yeah. kudos to jay for being like extra keen and extra excited and all in you know that's awesome yeah. Yeah. No, i mean that's fun. why we're all here we wouldn't be packed up this river it's you know we're up here and we're not at you know we're not all the way up the valley but we're not we're also not done yet <laughs> yeah, yeah we're not done might yet. be a, there'll be another episode here of what, what happens with it with the meat because we've got it we've got it off the mountain it's again it's warm still i mean it's 10 degrees now or maybe 12 degrees this is mm-hmm. kind of coming on the evening so our, our our meat care plan again if you've listened to our sheep podcast we would have been talking about just getting meat into dry bags and into the river to kind of keep it get it cooling down and this is a much bigger animal and it's now submerged in the little side channel of the creek which we're next to and uh it's I think nine degrees the water according to our meat thermometer, which I f- we all agree it must be colder because it's really cold. <laughs> yeah. I think our meat thermometer may not be totally accurate, so we'll test it when we get home. But I'm very confident though, like we we put it in in clear plastic bags that are food safe, um, and then we double bagged it with with more robust dry bags, um, and uh, and it's sitting down submerged in the creek. Hopefully not getting any moisture in there any more than it's already came, already had of coming off the animal and. Tomorrow is um, Tom and I are gonna load it in the alpaca rafts and float it down the river and, and or push it down the river. Try and find enough water to get down the river. That's the only the only part of this trip that hasn't quite gone according to plan is that the the river is very dry. So we'll see if it's a yeah. 
but fortunately we're not covering. We were originally going to cover about, you know, 12 kilometers of river. It's going to be a little less now. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, that was fun to catch up, you guys. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Jay. Thanks, Tom. Awesome, man. Stoked for you. Hey, Jay, thanks for coming over for coffee. Yeah, no worries. Never turn down a coffee. Yeah, right on. Well, I, I've been meaning to get back together with you because we, we, uh, we had that adventure, the elk adventure, and we kind of left. We, we, if, uh, if the audience was listening along, we would have left them after, after the epic, epic elk day. And, uh, and we didn't get a chance to hang out again over the podcast machine as a team. And so I thought we'd pick up the story a little bit and wrap up that adventure and, and kind of wrap things up. But, uh, how was, uh, how, how was it being back home? Oh, it's great. I think we're a couple of weeks or maybe months late here, but that's fine. Um, it's good being home. It, uh, seasons, I mean, we're right about over now. Um, already looking forward to next season. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. really. It's almost, it's, well, we'll, once you get to that, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll finish off on sort of planning next year. But they, yeah. you've had a, a, a bit of a banging hunting season. Yeah. Spring and fall. Yeah, well, I'm so I, I think we we got hopefully we got it captured in uh, in the we did a podcast with um, uh, well, Mickey and and your partner Ashley, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully the, the the recording is good and we can get it out there. But it was sort of first buck story, so yeah, what a first buck. Yeah, <laughs> I would. <laughs> oh man, well, what what what? what yeah. Tell us about Ashley's buck. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's bigger than I everything I've ever seen, right? I've been looking at whitetails for a couple of years now, and this is probably the second whitetail buck she's seen ever in a hunting season, right? Yeah. This is her first time, uh, well, second season hunting whitetail, but it was slow last year. And um, Yeah, I mean, I guess two Benadryl put you to sleep, and when you wake up, I guess you usually have big bucks hanging out in front of you. Apparently, so. yeah. Well, it's a good story. Hopefully, we can get that one off the off the recorder. And uh, But in a hell of a year, I saw the post there. You guys dressed up your the elk antlers from this trip and yeah. the, and the, and her deer antlers. And, and for, for reference, I mean, you say you've, it's the biggest whitetail you've ever seen in two years. It's the biggest whitetail I've ever seen in 35 years. Yeah. Um, so it's like a pretty darn nice whitetail. Yeah, it's big. It's a, definitely, it's probably top five of the ones that I've seen, uh, killed. Um, and, uh, anyway, beautiful animal and uh, great story to go with it. And yes, you guys worked real hard for that to happen. But having said that, I have to say like you're, you know, for, now that you guys are moved in together, you mm-hmm. like you got a pretty nice start on a wall of yeah, tro- yeah, trophy wall if you call it that. Or yeah, we got a couple. I mean, that's our Christmas tree with five hundred square feet, right? <laughs> you don't got room for a tree. I so. also noticed that you guys like <laughs> you stack them up on the wall. So like like there's like the elk antlers, and then in between the elk antlers, there's the the deer the yep. deer antlers, and then there's another set of deer antlers. So they have to be like a vertical presentation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't spread them out around the house. You can't do it. Like we don't have any space, and you'll get poked if you put them anywhere else. So yeah, no, we're we're lucky. You know, this must be a problem for like all. Uh, you know, all urban hunters, you know, trying to fit their, mm. you know, their racks into their 400 square foot apartments. It's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. I just, <laughs> I, you know, the, the problem is just shoot smaller deer. Um, Selena's got a couple of apartment size, like these like gorgeous racks. Uh, there's this like, she's got two of them. There was a white tail I shot a couple of years ago, which is like tiny, like perfect little five point, but it's tiny. It's just a tiny wow. little like basket five was super yep. cute. So she's like, oh, I want that because I can't put antlers up in my apartment. She, yeah. she uses a small contest. <laughs> I was like, sure, you can have them. Yeah. She's very excited. And then uh, she also got a, a black tail um, 
it's just like this micro black tail. It's a beautiful, like heavy black tail buck, but it's a, one of those the island deer that just doesn't yeah. grow very big, but it has sort of rel- relative to its body, huge antlers. They're a cool color. Yeah, that's huge. Anyway, so this, this, we're not talking apartment-sized deer here. And uh, anyway, let's move <laughs> on. But uh, all right, let, let's let's go back to our adventure. So to day three, we're still, I think it was day three of the hunt. We're sitting in the tent. It's raining. We had like a big day of packing elk. Packing meat down to the river. Yeah, and we had our system. So I think one thing we, we should talk about is just like two things. How did our meat care system work out? And then and I think also transporting the meat and kind of how we managed to, you know, get and how that all worked out. So, um, yeah, what was our what was our plan for the next day once we kind of got you know got had to get out of there? Yeah, well, I think we good gear tip actually is packing along that meat thermometer. I think we were sitting at forty one degrees at the top of the hill. Yeah, the meat was. Yeah, um, we packed it down to the river, and we were comfortable because it was frosted overnight. I think we were you know one two degrees and. Yeah, the water level was a little bit warmer than that, but uh, you know, by the time we woke up, we were, um, you know, packing the tent away and the whole bit and uh, getting the rafts ready. But the meat was cold. There was no stress. Yeah, yeah, which was amazing. There was no stress about the meat, which felt really good. And then the meat kind of went into. Uh, so we, so the whole the whole hunt plan was we were gonna ideally like float both our camp, our elk, and and ideally all four of us out of of the valley down the river now we 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 had probably expressed this previously in the podcast that we kind of were going getting uh, more and more concerned about the feasibility of being able to even get the rafts down the river whether it's just 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 like me the raft in my camp let alone mm. half an elk and certainly let alone you know a whole elk and certainly not you in the bow yeah. it was that's just, it's just <laughs> like every every day that we assessed the river it just kept dropping more and more and the more I was like, okay, well, we're definitely not taking like two elk out of here. And yeah. then the next day I was like, okay, well, I'm not even sure if we'll get half an elk out of here. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was a bit touch and go, but, uh, so the, the good news is though, like for the meat care part is that we could basically throw that, like the, those quarters of meat, which are now, which are still in that plastic bag and submerged in the river, just right into the bottom of the raft. So like, I don't think they were going to get a whole lot of heat. No. Sitting in there, like, even though it was a fairly warm day that we were transporting. Well, and this goes back to, because we had a quick chat with Uli before the hunt, it was either keeping it, well, ideally both, but moisture and temperature were the main two. Yeah. Um, uh, and although we couldn't dry this meat out because uh, the days were semi-high and we wanted to get out of there as soon as possible, um, we could keep it cold. So um, bacteria couldn't develop was kind of your thought behind that and it worked out yeah yeah it worked so yeah so we ended up i mean as far as that the transfer of the meat I, I was actually super impressed I mean, this is a pretty bony river less than four inches of water in lots of places lots of big boulders it's very fast um and so it was it was actually it was it, fortunately like i was super happy because tom had had a fair bit of white water experience he's actually a canoeer so like his his sort of water, his understanding of rivers, you know, translated well to to, mm. to rafting in these in these um, foragers in the in the um, alpaca forager. But man, they like they perform super well. Like the more weight you put on them, they just kind of displace more water, and so they don't actually sink a whole lot more. And they're actually surprisingly easy to maneuver. So despite the fact that there wasn't a lot of river to work with, as long as there was a little bit of flow, I could pretty much 
if I kept the boat in the majority of the flow, I, I was kind of moving the whole time and definitely like scraping over a lot of rocks and stuff. But, um, and then every once in a while you jump out and kind of tow the boat down stuff and, yeah. and jump back in and you get a little run for a bit and then yeah. jump back out and you didn't, you didn't do too much walking, did you? Oh, fair bit. Yeah. 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 Fair, fair bit of like muscling the raft, like over or through a boulder, you know, boulder mm. pile. So like it was, it was challenging. The, the, the thing that I would definitely do and I, and I got to get on this sooner than later because it's not really a product out there, but like we were just using, um, our little like water shoes, like, a like you'd get with, if you were go to MEC, you get like neoprene booties with the hard sole on the bottom. Mm. And like, while they're kind of comfortable, warm and nice to, to hang out in they're they're not great for like stepping on boulders and being like, you're super vulnerable. Um, so I kind of want to get like an ultra light pair of boots or something that I can, that have ankle support, ideally have some like felt grip on the bottom and they're just, there's not really something on the market that kind of fits that. Ideally I get like sandals that did all that. But anyways, I got to figure that out because I'd like a more, more stable platform when I'm walking down a river. Something light enough too, right? Yeah, again, yeah. Say you're thinking about packing something in. I mean, I almost wore my boots down the river, like my hiking boots. Yeah. Just, I, I thought about it. And if I was going to spend any more time dragging the boat, I would have just swapped out into my boots and just yeah. lived with wet boots for a while. But at least I would have been, uh, my ankles would have been safer. Yeah. Well, at least this 30-pound, you know, boat investment packing up river brought us, what, 450 pounds down, so. Yeah, that was pretty amazing, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so anyways, so we broke camp and, and the, and the plan was we were going to, uh, Tom and I were going to take the, the elk and our, um, and, and our camp out. And then you guys were going to hike out the 10 K or whatever it would have been out to, uh, and meet us at back at the truck basically, mm. or at the highway and then go get the truck and all the, all the logistics of, of, of shuttling around. But yeah, yeah. So, so but yeah, I, I didn't want to take your, I, as much as I would have loved to have seen your antlers in the bow of the boat the whole time, like the classic shots yeah. of, of the, uh, like just the potential of having to, like just without much dragging and yeah. like pulling, I just didn't want a huge set of antlers. Like, no. So you ended up, how, so do you know how much you were going out with when you, so you, had, so you and Tom, Tom A, headed out with your packs, your gear and the elk horns, eh? And the antlers, yeah. So we packing out of there oh man i mean we we didn't toss too much gear i mean the pack rafts were off but now we had a little bit more weight because i think he was taking the tp i was taking antlers so we were probably still in the 80s i'd say mm-hmm. we were up there a little mm-hmm. bit extra weight uh but i mean it's we weren't as far from where we thought we would be which yeah. is a bit of a blessing yeah. um and uh and yeah it was it was the weight, the weight didn't feel as much going in. I can, I can say that. Yeah, you ended up, you ran into some some horse people on the way out too, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently the uh, the outfitter there thought the main beams were a little short, but that's all right. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, it's great. He kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. Said you did, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think he was probably with a couple of clients and yeah, trying to downplay that a bunch of residents packed up into his territory. <laughs> yeah, well, I, saw, I saw what he took, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally, yeah, that's, yeah, so I yeah. think, it, I think that's always a, 
it's always a difficult thing being a guide and like having to navigate the realities of resident hunters all over the place. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been in that situation a couple times before, but yeah. Um, but yeah. We, we packed down and you know, we got to the highway there, like you said, and back to reality, it was kind of weird seeing, uh, seeing cars and people and the whole bit when we were back there. I haven't done many adventure hunts. So this was new to me kind of coming back in a civilization after a week. Um, <clears throat> And then yeah, we hopped in the hopped in the truck there and went to our meeting point. It was kind of coming up on seeing you guys actually come out to the meeting point. Was <laughs> I mean, I almost didn't think it would happen, or it would be hours and hours away. We have one good story. Yeah, when we <laughs> so oh, we yeah. end up so to get the so so they if so the the. The drift out was relatively uneventful considering how much I thought it was going to be brutal. It was just a bit, it was just stressful. And it was like, I'm glad I have the skills I have. And I would like, I honestly wouldn't like encourage anybody to like, as much as I'm excited about the pack crafting idea and I'm talking about on the podcast, like it's it like, it's been like years of being on rivers whether it's in a jet boat or big rafts or now these little rafts that like, I've built confidence about how rivers work and and the decision making matrix that I use to keep keep alive. Like I would and and a number of courses and lots of practice and and and, and gathering knowledge. Like it's sketchy. Like I wouldn't like I wouldn't wish this on anybody to go do this. And I was so glad that like you guys weren't in the boat, or for that matter, if we did like a four boat trip and you guys like as green rafters would be towing behind us. Like it's just not something that people should do without that foundation of training skill and then like progression towards doing something like this. And so like, I really want to emphasize that cause I don't want it to sound easy when I say it was relatively uneventful. It was high stress required, like my whole mm-hmm. like focus and skill and hard work <laughs> and a little bit of luck to have it be relatively uneventful. Um, and, and so anyways, the good news is like, I was very, when we finally got to our mark where we thought that we could get as close to the highway as we could, um, I was quite rel- I was like relieved for one that we made it. And then, um, and then we, so we were, we got to the bank of the river, we could offload the boats and do the meetup on the bank. And the idea is you guys are going to hike out, grab the truck and then drive down the river to where we kind of had this point to where we could get kind of close to the truck. But we still had like a 200, 300 meter pack from mm-hmm. the river's edge over to the high or to where we get the truck. Yeah. Um, but at this point, like now all that risk is gone and I like, like that, that stress uh, and anxiety of the unknown is Barely gone. gone yeah. Like, <laughs> and so like, I'm like, yeah. Hey, we're not going like, to, yeah, we're not going to die, which is good. Like that, that's relieving when you get to the point, if you're not going to die with the second thing I'm always concerned about is like, like the meat is going to work. The, the meat's going to be okay. Okay. The meat's okay. It's cold. Uh, we're, you know, now we're, you know, two, three hours from, you know, getting back to, you know, Chetwin or Fort St. John or somewhere we can plug a freezer in and, and then we can figure out what we're doing next for our hunt. And, uh, and, um, so I'm feeling like we got this and so, so it's great. So we, we, we hike up, we find you guys, we, we, we kind of get a line, uh, we mark a trail from the meat to the truck and, and we start shuttling lo- loads and we've got, of course, the boats, our camp and 500 mm-hmm. pounds of elk meat or something like that. And, and shit, like we're just like, I think we've done all the shuttles and, and there's a, and uh, there's this little, just before 
I, I think I had my boots on for the hike or something like that because I didn't want to I didn't want to hike all the way back and forth in my water shoes. So there was, we got the truck to where there was this last little stream. It was like a little stream that just the truck, truck couldn't cross. And we were able to hike. So we, I guess you guys were all just walking through the creek with your loads. I, I, I ended up shuttling a bunch of stuff just to this side of the creek. So the, And then with the, with the mind that I would swap off my boots and then just shuttle my last couple of loads there. So you guys are like pretty much done. I've got like one load left and I'm going to, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just sw- swap out my boot so I can get across the creek. So I, I, I dump the pack off on this stump and then I hear this like, and the next thing I fucking know, there's this fucking big black, like hornets oh yeah, flying around me. And all of a sudden I'm getting hammered by them and I can feel like getting stung everywhere. So I just like run like across the creek with my boots on, I think. And like, just keep running. And you guys are, I don't know, what what were you thinking of this moment? Oh, you're scrambling. And you said we were pretty much done. We were done. Like, we were having a beer, watching you trip across the creek, fall in the creek with 100 pounds of weight. And there's like, what, 30 hornets chasing you, maybe? Probably more. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm trying to drag. No, no, that was the case. Okay, so, well, you geared up. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting ahead of the story here. So, so the, the first scene is me running like madly. Like getting, yeah. and I can't imagine, and you guys probably have like no idea what I'm doing at that point. Like just like screaming past the truck <laughs> and just keep on running. To, yeah. Oh, so anyway, so yeah, you guys are casually having a beer. Yeah, we're having a beer and uh, you come screaming and we go running because the hornets are on to us now. And uh, at that point, we got to make a game plan for how we're going to get all this gear that you can see through binoculars. There's, you know, hundreds of hornets. Yeah. scrambling all over it so you you know you throw your boots your gaiters on uh your puffy pants you're down your shell the whole bit and then <laughs> just, we're back over there yeah, well this. we're not back over there you're back over there and nobody offered yeah. to help you know we like, filmed it we helped right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh so so, yeah. so i've got i think everything covered up and sunglasses on so i'm kind of like and my big yeah big puffy gloves but like the part, the part that's kind of difficult here, like I, I got one pack of meat there, and I, but I think it's a hundred pounder on the far side, and and maybe another handful of something. So, like, there's definitely like how I typically would get into a pack is to lay down in the pack and roll over and like <laughs> like, and oh, there's just like no way you're doing that in that situation. So I have to like run over there, grab like with one hand. It must be my rifle with one hand, and the other hand I have to like just grab the pack mm-hmm. and just like be able to heave it up on my back somehow yeah and then oh so anyway they get all dressed up and i sneak in the long way around and i got, got the pack in my sights and the gun in my sights and i'm like like basically mapping out my steps and oh and it's a slippery creek i remember you grabbed the pack <laughs> you scramble down the bank you hit the bottom of the creek and you got one hand on the pack and the hornets are you got the other hand up in the air <laughs> swatting them away we're just laughing. Like, we're having a great time on the other side of the creek. Yeah, I couldn't... I tried getting the pack on my back, and there was just no way I could just do it. Like, it just wasn't strong enough to just, like, flip it up on my back with that. So I just ended up dragging it, like, off the stump and then, like, running across the creek, and it just, like, surfed it across the creek to the other side to at least where I could... And then I just, like, left it on the dry side of the creek and just started running again. Yeah, so... Anyways, we... Made it happen. <laughs> made it happen. Yeah, that was awesome. Anyways, yeah, that was all, all all good, and then yeah, packed up the truck, and then I got to have a beer finally. <laughs> uh, you guys, thanks for leaving me one beer. Yeah, and uh, 
yeah and then that was you know what that was kind of um yeah you know, I, I was i was actually pleased man like that that meat was in great shape and we ended up um packing a freezer up with us like a like a apartment sized freezer just enough big enough to put an elk in like the legs and the front shoulders and we actually plugged it in at a buddy's place there and uh and yeah like within a day like the meat was totally frozen and then that kind of gave us like kind of free reign to to do whatever else we wanted with our time there and we did some we ended up kind of just scouting around some other elk areas uh, and um but yeah like the and then once the good thing about like so so the it's not i obviously it's not i would have preferred to have like, ideal hang conditions and, and hang that meat at length but it's just frozen now which is fine it just stalls the aging process mm-hmm. and then uh and then we have a, still a fairly like you know f- you know from we still have a 12-hour drive home or something like that from yeah. the, from the peace country there so having your meat frozen is kind of ideal so you're not having to worry about you know driving it's like you know it's summer still in vancouver like as soon as you yeah get down you know you know yeah. well any any even it was pretty much summer where we were um you don't have to worry about it because it's it's not going to not going to thaw out completely so it'll keep a lot of cold in there no and i think we had because we had the eight cubic foot freezer which took both fronts and maybe a couple bags but then we had oh. to do that rotation and get the rears which fit in the cooler it was hectic. oh yeah that's yeah. right we did have a bit of a process there yes hey? yeah because it was too much i mean it, so like the problem was is that my calculations on an average elk would have fit into this apartment size freezer the eight footer eight, eight cubic feet but of course you shot a massive bull so it just had a little more volume so yeah next time shoot a smaller bull and it'll fit yeah. in the freezer that you brought should i yeah or bring a bigger freezer whatever you prefer jay <laughs> however you want to approach that that problem yeah i don't know how much bigger we could go uh, well you got to go hunt the kootenays for big elk yeah so which is tempting so okay speaking of which um let, let's wrap this up and it was a just an awesome trip but uh what are you thinking about for uh what do you want what are you thinking about for next year that's a loaded question okay would you do that same hunt again next year or in in future years i would do this hunt again i don't i would i would enjoy going back to that place because i enjoyed being there and i I enjoyed the country but i this showed me what an adventure hunt is like and what i've always found with hunting is as much as i probably shouldn't do it um exploring new places Mm -hmm. is fun uh but spending time in one place and learning it you get a lot more success Mm -hmm. i find that hard to do because i always want to see new places yeah yeah Yeah, so it's a bit of a curse well it's a curse and a blessing yeah so now i'm thinking about i mean this was my first uh you know this was my first northern hunt um and with that comes you know this was an elk hunt but i'm almost interested to try some other species now so what are you thinking uh, we'll we'll chat. Oh. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, my mind's set on uh, a little bit intimidating, but a little bit on sheep, a little bit on caribou. Um, probably a combination of those species. There's of course the the learning curve of sheep and being comfortable with viewing sheep, and that will take years. Yeah. And I think that that's something I would like to try in the near future because it does take years to learn. I mean, you started hunting sheep when you were, you know, what was it, 15 years ago, um, and you've been successful this year. So I think to put the time in to learn that hunt so I could learn that somewhat early in life, I, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think up until, 
like I'd say that, yeah, it takes, I mean, that, this, this sheep hunting, I mean, we hammered it, we covered it in our sheep podcast series, but just the, the confidence in aging sheep takes, takes a lot of time. And I, I'm, I feel pretty confident now, like with my, I'd be way, I'm like a million, I don't know, like it was just like almost like I, you have to see a certain amount of sheep and to, to really get comfortable with, with aging. And, um, I feel super comfortable now, like when we were and partly just having, being able to look at legal rams and look at sub mature rams all in the same, like hunt experience really like help me like, yeah, uh, just develop that confidence. Cause I think I've looked at so many sub mature rams over the years that with just a handful of legal rams and not really close enough to really, really get comfortable with the characteristics of a, of a, of a mature ram. Um, yeah, that's cool, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and man, it's, I, I'm like, I'm so thankful. Like every time I look at that ram, I'm like, oh man, like I'm so, like, I'm kind of glad I don't have, like, I, don't, I don't feel compelled to do that right now. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like there's so many awesome hunts I want to do. And like, yeah, like, like you kind of sort of saying, like you just you get, you do these hunts and like you get hooked on something and it just, it takes like, all your effort and time. And I'm kind of glad to be like, kind of, yeah, I feel like I can like almost retire that, <laughs> like I, I put in like 10 effort, 10, 10 years of efforting to try mm-hmm. and find, you know, have a successful sheep hunt. So I'm good. I'm, I'm stoked to be like, okay, it's caribou next year or it's something else, a big mm-hmm. bull moose or something interesting or just another adventure yeah. that doesn't also just doesn't have like, I think I said at the beginning of this podcast, like elk hunting is so darn fun. Like it's just so every day is a cool adventure it's super like there's always something like there's always some action there's always like it's engaging right yeah there's so much yeah there's every day is an awesome adventure and usually you kill an elk and like not every day but over the course of a trip so like this there's not only are you having the success of the adventure you're having the success of engagement with animals you're hanging out in a beautiful part of the world and then you're likely going to be spending a couple of those days packing meat or and managing meat and having that success, like all of those factors make a great hunt. And plus you're also hanging out with at least, you know, two, uh, you know, two or three other people to make this great adventure happen. And, and, uh, with sheep hunting, like it, it's not like that. Like it's, it's, it's mostly just like a long, slow workout (laughs) that just like drags on for, for a couple of weeks and you may not see any animals or you may see some and that's great, but like, it's just not the same like it's got the adventure it's got like you're pretty much you're only hanging out with one other person so you, you like that's that's also cool in itself but it's not yeah you know, you're not sitting around having beers every day and like it's 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 a totally different kind of cool but um but yeah man elk cutting and the way that we did it and you know it's great being able to have, have a few extra days after the fact to like kind of have a elk in the elk in the freezer essentially and and be able to scout around and do some things we hadn't done before but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, uh, you know, every bit of, even after we had come out of there and seen other places, I enjoyed just learning more about elk and, and committing, even though I had been successful in that species, still still learning more about it, right, for next year and future years, so. Okay, so we're talking, okay, Jay, so you're maybe, well, I, I would say just, just to answer the question that I asked you, would I go back to that spot? And it's always, I kind of, that was a, it was a pretty hard hunt and like you guys were pretty tough about it. Like the, the walk in, I think it was just a bit, just on the edge of being too much to actually bring that 
you know, bring those pack rafts, that, that size of pack raft, because the pack rafts were 20 pounds each with gear, plus the safety kit that comes with them, plus the shelter, you know, and, and you know, for four people. Like, you know, we went in pretty, like, as light as we could have for the most part. I, mean, I think I think probably you guys could probably trim your gear down by two or three pounds if you, now that you've done this and, mm -hmm. and know, you know how important it is to sort of save some weight. But, but man, like, I, I don't, like it was just pushing, like you guys had to be, you had to be a pretty tough group of people to do what we did. And then, and then I think you'd have, like, it's still, it wasn't, a, it was certainly wasn't a gimme, like, to, like at all. It was, it was no. hard work and the elk hunting was sub average, I would say, in terms of actual yeah. elk hunting. There just happened to be a couple of elk around where we were hunting. And so I don't think I would get too fired up about doing it again. And I certainly wouldn't, yeah. like, the only reason why I, th I was thinking about this today, like the reason why there was a big bull in there is that it's just too hard to hunt there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and like, so nobody, yeah. like, like the elk that live there are going to get old and die because it's unlikely that guys are dumb enough to do Other what people we did. going to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just a little bit too much. Yeah. So we didn't have a lot of encounters. Let's put it that way, right? We no, had, we, didn't. we had a couple, but. No, but nothing like, I mean, even when we started scouting around and checking out new areas we'd never been, yeah, we were into more elk as, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that's kind of going blind in different areas. And, yeah. um, but again, there was, you know, there's other hunting pressure and all other factors that make, um, yeah. And that just make it different. Right. So it wasn't the most productive habitat up that way. No, no, it certainly wasn't, but it was a place that an elk might, you know, be comfortable might, coming in. Yeah. Or, and also just getting old, getting old that enough too. to, you know that uh, not a lot of the guy, other guys there are trying to shoot them. So, um, which in itself, I mean, that's how guys get, you know, big animals as they go to places that don't get a lot of pressure. And that's yeah. one way of doing that. Um, so to ask you this question, what's your, what's your next hunt that you're thinking about? Uh, well, I got to, Mickey and I got to get real serious about planning uh, um, our honeymoon hunt. But you know, we're <laughs> no, I don't know the yearly I, thing. No, no, yeah, no, we're gonna get we're like, we're, I mean, you know, if if she if we keep on with this idea of getting married, which I think we're gonna do it, um, uh, we're gonna get married in July of next year, so we'll probably like, I'm pretty sure we'll just jump in the boat after that because it's you know, beautiful time of year to be. Mm -hmm. We'll go on some type of a trip in the silver moon and go camp on the beach somewhere and uh after we get married, but then I'm kind of keen to like do an adventure trip with Mickey. And maybe that's like a, I don't know. We haven't even talked about it, but like my, my, whether it's a honeymoon hunt or whether it's just an adventure hunt with Mickey. That's an excuse to go on a good hunt. Yeah. So I'd like to run it by her and see what, you know, she, she might like to do. Um, and, uh, yeah. And yeah, it could be, could be anything. So kind of, kind of excited about, kind of excited about that. And, uh, yeah, and that's that's the first one, and then after that, I'll be obviously I want to hunt elk again, um, but I I've got a bit of an elk hunt in mind. That's again, it's like these, I'm, it's a bit of a ball buster. <laughs> Probably low chance of success, but I'm kind yeah. of excited about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, the first and the second bit of our trip. I mean, both equally as fun. My I think my biggest point of enjoyment out of the trip was just hunting with new people that I haven't hunted with. Um, and I think you get, you know, to know these people quite well. I mean, we're all sleeping in a teepee for 10 days together. 
uh, where you know you're switching groups, you're hunting with different people, and this was, and I haven't done an adventure hunt like this before, so that was everything was new. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, totally it was amazing. Well, I'm glad, and the group dynamic was just awesome. I mean, that's the other thing that you know, you reflect back on these hunts, and you're like, man, that was like. I really enjoyed hunting with everybody that I hunted with on that trip. And I also really appreciated the effort that everybody put into making camp life work. And, and probably the thing that, you know, I was most impressed with was like, like our original hunt plan that I sort of sold you guys on was actually a complete fail. Like just that the area that I thought we were going into just Mm. didn't, it just didn't just wasn't, didn't look like I remember it looking 10 years ago or whenever I was in there before And, uh, and also just, yeah, just was not feasible to hunt really effectively. And there was no elk there. So like, you know, three, three factors made, and there was bears everywhere. So I was like, oh shit, I'm just dragging my buddies in. Like, you know, poor Tom is on his like one adventure a year quota. Yeah. And uh, away from his (laughs) like seven kids and lovely wife. And that's right. Um, he doesn't have seven kids, but he's got a pile of them. Um, but, um, yeah. And I just, like, I just, my hunt concept blew it. And so it was great to. You kind of like, what do you call it? Like snatch victory from the like jaws of defeat there by yeah. killing that elk. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, no, thank you guys. I mean, another big takeaway is like as soon as you, because I haven't had an animal this size down in front of me before. And it was not like, like pulling the trigger was the lo- like least important thing of the whole adventure. It was when I had you three coming up the hill ready with packs and we were ready to get this yeah. done that was that was the biggest moment for me oh, so, that was awesome yeah yeah that was awesome that was by far my favorite moment as well just walking running up that hill so excited and uh and coming in on you and the elk and yeah it's great yeah. to see tom there just tom was just fucking glowing fired up yeah, yeah. he's just so ill yeah that was like such a great moment for everybody and uh yeah and it's like man I'm like it produced so much meat too like i like it's a lot of it's a lot of meat. Like a little yeah. big hunk of big chunk, a big part of my freezer is filled with elk. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, <thanks laughs> if you want to get some away, just let me know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, 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 me and Ashley are actually in the same boat right now. We've got, uh, we've got four species in the freezer, right? Because yeah. we both got bears in the spring, and you know she, we both got whitetails now, and there's the mule deer and the elk. So we're you got we're well off, yeah. Yeah, you're in the freezer. Well off for a while there. So AK, so just while we just before we we wrap this up so uh what's been your favorite meal with the the elk so far you know it's funny you say or you ask that because uh when we got this elk back there is a lot of ground as you usually get with a butcher and i i honestly have to say i think i enjoy some of the ground the most yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure it's so funny because it is a, i mean the reality is is that when you the way that we cut them up like because we're uh, we, we take the back straps out, we take the hind legs off, the front shoulders off. Um, so those are like the big primal cuts. But then there's still a ton of meat on the animal that we take off, which is the, the flank. And the flank is like, I don't know, like 55 pounds per side, just cutting off all the rib meat. And you got a super productive way of doing this too, right? Yeah, it works. I mean, we get <laughs> it all. Awesome. Yeah, we get it all yeah. for sure. And then there's the neck as well, um, which is another like 50 pounds or something. I mean, it's not maybe not 50 pounds, but gosh, it's heavy. So like all of that brisket and neck and like, and it kind of comes off in like one giant piece, but it's, it's, it's not really something like the easiest thing for the butcher to do is to take all that rib meat and just like run it to the grinder. So it produces like, you know, well over, you know, a hundred and, you know, 120, 
125, 150 pounds of burger yeah. out of the whole that all of those cuts. And then and then he and then if the butcher, um, you know, breaks down the shoulders and the and the hinds and the shanks, like eventually there's a, there's a bunch more burger right that comes into the pile. So like when you get this thing back. And like in your mind, you like you want to have elk steaks for days, right? Everybody wants elk steaks, and you're and mm-hmm. you're splitting up the elk steaks between four guys. And you're like, man, I only got like four packages of elk steaks. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, you're kind of feeling like that, yeah, a bit bummed about it. Yeah. And you're also looking at like this giant, you know, cooler full of burger. That, yeah. You know, you're like, shit, like the, look <laughs> my my elk's turned into burger, but it, it's just the reality of what happens if you, you know, if if you do it yourself, you can be a little bit more finicky about it. You can cube some of that meat and you can take some flank steaks off or you can do some other stuff yeah but i mean a butcher just this is not how they can they just can't do it that way it's just too time too, yeah all the time and you know, i mean they could do it for you they just have to charge you more yeah no uli did a great job though and like i mean my my favorite thing to do that we've had over here a lot is just cook up patties just mm-hmm. salt and pepper elk ground and like throw in a pan that's yeah. my favorite thing smash burgers man i mean yeah. we were just making smash burgers the other night with with some elk and yeah, just like right out of the package, roll it into like a maybe a two inch ball, and then just like smash it with a spatula in in a hot cast mm-hmm. iron pan. Like don't put salt like put salt on it once it's smashed in the pan. Put some salt on one side, flip it over after it sears. Salt on that side and like that in a burger, like in a, in a, in, a, in a burger bun. Well, actually, we just do lettuce burgers too, which are just oh man, so good. So yeah, that's been my highlight meal with that elk and like. It was sort of funny because, like, I know that Tommy and Tom have both only cut their own elk. So, and they and and Will usually leads the butchering. He's very he's quite skilled at it and does That's a really awesome. nice job, right? So, so of course Will wasn't yeah. available to cut up their elk for them this year because he was busy <laughs> having a baby. Um, but they were sort of genuinely genuinely miffed at how much burger they got back, and they were a little bit yeah. like shit you know and i'm like well i kind of explained it. I was like, well this is kind of how it works when like you can't you know unless you unless you were to bring the whole animal to the butcher you know with the high you know like you can't like, it's really hard to but to do that you know to do that type you know what they had in mind or to replicate what they usually do which takes them like you know two days and four people to do like which yeah. is not what we're, you know what we're not, not what we're asking uli to do for us so no but both of them have since texted back saying, oh my God, I, the burger is so amazing. Like, yeah. Like, can I get your meatloaf recipe? <laughs> yeah, totally. They're all, they're this all. This ground's the best, <laughs> Yeah, right? totally. So it's totally yeah. switched their perspective. So, so yeah, that's my, you know, we, we butchered both of our whitetails this year and yeah, so we got, you know, we're going to get lots of steaks out of those. And, yeah. You know, like we could, we could, we can play with that and get our shanks and our flank cuts and our, you know, our, oh, there's the other one we do, the, the shoulder one. What the hell is that? That's the. Oh, it's a great steak. It comes off the front shoulder, but I can't remember what it's called. Right, flat iron steak. That's it. I'll have to get that one from you. How do you it, cut it? Yeah, it's cool. It's a little bit finicky, but man, they're like just, it's just like a tenderloin, but on the shoulder. Um, all right, we should wrap this up. This is going longer than it probably should. So, anyways, Jay, that was a pleasure, man. Super stoked for you. I'll say yes anytime. Bro. I'm like that. Right on. Well, we're, we'll we'll probably go uh, start chatting with uh, Ashley and Mickey about some type of adventure for next year. So, yes. Okay, man. Thanks <laughs> again. Man. All right. Thanks, Tom. Awesome. Hey, folks. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Now, we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a question either on our Instagram or email me directly at dylan at eatwild.ca and 
We'll do our best to answer that question on our future podcast, or we might even build an entire podcast based on your questions. So thanks for doing that. So if you want to hear more from Eat Wild, you can come join us. We're doing a series of Eat Wild Learn to Hunt webinars. So we're getting together on a monthly basis, talking about all things hunting with a group of mentors through a webinar format. There are tons of fun. Come join us there. Now, if you happen to live in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, we do in-person workshops where we get together, learn fundamental skills for you to be a better hunter. Hope you can hang out for one of those too if you happen to be in the area. Now, we'd love it if you could leave a review or a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. That'd be a great help to us. And more importantly, share this podcast with folks who care about the stuff we're talking about. So thanks for doing that. Until next time, eat well and well.